Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to The Breakdown. My name is John Humson. I'm your host. As always, we're joined with Pastor Nick. We're diving into Sunday's message. Uh, it's Tuesday, so two days ago. Yeah. Um, we, we, we discussed, again, I say we, we didn't we, discuss. We discussed You it. preached. Yes. Um, but I like to try to preach where, yeah, I might be the only one talking, um, but this is something my pastor trained me, and it's like you want to have a conversation with people. Yeah. Now, but when I tried to talk to you last time, you were like pipe down over there. Do you remember what you were saying as you were walking out the back? Do you remember what you were doing? I thought that was last week. Yeah, it was. It was last week. Oh, I remember that because you started singing Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I did not sing a thing. You started Sorry, singing. You Fresh said Prince. it, and then I just I said it seemed wrong not to finish it. West Philadelphia, born and raised, and you just went. On playground, so. sitting playing most of my days. <laughs> oh, Should, goodness. See, it's, save us, save us. But you know, that's something my pastor trained me. He's like, you want to talk in a way where you're just having a conversation with the audience, yeah. where they can't necessarily speak back, but with body language, they can. Yeah. They're tracking, they're following, stuff like that. So yeah, we discussed it. We Okay, that's, so... That's proper terminology. So we discussed the last church, uh, Laodicea. Boom. So, um, so seven churches. We finished the last church on Sunday, and yep. so we're gonna break down and discuss that uh, here today. Couple uh, abnormal housekeeping things. Okay. Uh, just let people know. Last week uh, we did the podcast. We had some video technical difficulties. Yes. So I had somebody stop me in church on Sunday. Was like, "Did you not put the podcast out?" And I said, "We did." You're gonna have to listen to it. Yeah. So that's why there was no. There's not a YouTube. Yeah, there's not a YouTube. Something happened. So there is an audio podcast. Um, on our on, favorite platforms, yeah. Apple. Wherever you listen to podcasts, it's we're there. On. And then wow. some weird ones, like some weird Deezer. Ones. You ever heard of Deezer? Nope. Yep. Apparently, nope. it's a podcast platform. Okay. Um, and do we then, have people that listen on Deezer? I don't know that we do. I guess I could go back and look. Yeah. Most our big ones are like Spotify and Apple, right? Our biggest is Apple, then Spotify, then I think Google. Oh, I didn't and know Google had something. Yeah. And then wow. it trails off very quickly. Okay. Um, well, Welcome. Yeah, we're glad you're here. So hopefully no video technical difficulties <laughs> yeah. this week. And then two, that was perfect timing were, if you can't hear that. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully you can't, but if you did. If you did. Uh, we, we have a, a semi-large construction project going on literally right outside the studio. Yeah. And so they're banging and tearing into and cutting and sawing. And so you'll probably hear some yeah. noises throughout the, the podcast. Jesus said, I will build my church. And we're just trying to keep up with Jesus. Literally, we're building it <laughs> as we're doing it. Yeah. So we it's, have a couple people, uh, what, what volunteer coming out donating yeah. some time and just trying to get a few projects together. And so that's what you're hearing right now. Yeah. Which is real. It's real ministry. Now yeah. I'm concerned. What are they cutting? Because I don't think they should be cutting anything. Nah, I think. Oh, they're trimming. Okay. Yeah, I know they're, they're trimming doing. that. Okay. I know what they're doing. There's too. not a door going over there. Yeah, what's going on? Um, it's, and this is, you know, this is a classic uh, time to be able to explain, like, at least for us at Calvary, um, like in my other church where I was at, we were a little bit larger. Mm -hmm. So if we were doing any projects, it was like, we hire that out. Yep. Bring it in. Yep. Here, we, we try to be really good stewards. And so if we do a project that is within our realm of doing, it's all in-house. And uh, so, hold on, hold on. <laughs> we get to define what is within our realm. Yeah, some, you might walk in and go, "I don't think that, <laughs> that was within your realm." Of. That was slightly outside of it. But um, if if we believe it to be within our realm, we try to just do it at, at cost of supplies, so that 
Uh, we want to be good stewards because we I do mean, more we, ministry. Yeah, we can do yep. more ministry and stuff like that. And it, it brings in, we have a few people that are uh, some volunteers within that realm that, hey, if you're doing a project, l- let me know. And so we got a couple that uh, we go to that well, and that's a way that they serve the church. And so, you know, when we talk, even on a Sunday, like, hey, what's your ministry? How can you step in and serve the church? It's not just the roles that we have on a Sunday morning, yeah. but even little things like that where, um, giving of your time and your resources and your ability even to help us in projects here yeah. and there is really, really nice. So. And the language I've always used with people is seen and unseen. Like yeah. Sunday, mm. Sunday really is more of the quote-unquote, I don't even like saying this, but the show, so yeah. the, the scene things, yeah. but there's so many things throughout the week behind the scenes that you don't realize that aren't done by a staff, yeah. you know, a paid staff member yeah. that's a volunteer coming in, and so, but... It's a, it's a spectrum of things that you really walk is. in and you could be meeting with a family through a really dark valley and the next week you're, you know, building the church, building the church. Literally. There we go. So, you know, so if you hear weird noises throughout the, it's not us, it's the building. Yeah, it's the building. So, um, but we're going to dive into Sunday's message. You, you yeah. preached on the last of the seven churches, Laodicea. Um, and, and we talked about, we've talked it about this for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, you shared your heart a little bit, just how uh, there's times as a pastor where you think, oh man, this is, this is going to be a really heavy message. Yeah. Like not like you're trying, you know, yeah. like the, the phraseology, we don't ever want to beat the bride. Never. Um, but like y- you and I have said, oh man, this is going to be a heavy message. Yeah. And then you'll walk away from Sunday being like, I had people come to me and say like that, that just didn't yeah. um, communicate the way you thought it. So last week, I was expecting it to be like a doozy. We we said that yeah. on the podcast, like we kind of set it up that way. And I walked away from last week going, huh, interesting. That wasn't as heavy as I thought yeah. it was. And not that it was like uh, feel good. Like yeah. it was still a heavy message in the sense of there was some really good uh if you allow the spirit to do a work inside of you, some good humbling yeah. kick you in the teeth moments, but it wasn't, it wasn't the from start to finish, yeah. just getting pummeled. In yeah. And, and honestly, that's really intentional. Like when I know like, Hey, this could be, and again, there's, um, there's no reason to overly make it burdensome. Or if you know that it's going to be, how can we do it? Cause again, it's not, it's, it's not how, how heavy can I make this message? Yeah. You know, I, I try to preach with the mentality of number one, Lord, what do you have for me to say? Right. So that's, that's key. Number one, number two, how do I make it profitable and effective for a, a, a congregation as a whole? Which has a wide range yeah. of mature uh, maturity levels. Yeah, like if learning. I just had like team leaders yeah. in a Bible study and we were going to read Revelation 3 and look at the Church of Laodicea, yeah, it was going to be a different message. Mm-hmm. you know. But when you're looking at some of these people, uh, might be the first time they're at Calvary or young in their faith or like... Have ever as read a, or heard Revelation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so again, something... So when I talk about my pastor, I talk about his name's Daryl Jones and uh, he was the... Oh, Daryl. Oh, Daryl. You've oh, met Darryl. him. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, has... Uh, he? I think he's a... Uh, 10 out of 10 on the highly relational outgoing scale. 100% (laughs) would agree with that. And so he would always say, you know, in those heavier sermons where you know it's going to be, you have to, in a sense, allow a little bit of space for people to catch their breath. Mm. So like instead of just holding somebody underwater for the whole time, you know, yeah, there's going to be a moment like, all right, let's hold them under here, but let them come back up, let them catch their breath. 
you know, let it. So you want to waterboard them with the gospel? <laughs> you don't want to drown them. You want I wasn't going to use that terminology, but that's you know because it it when you're just being held under and there's no time, like you just it, it's kind of like a, a boxing match and you're just outmatched and you're just getting waylaid and there's no time for you even to like process and react. You yeah. just keep getting hit and and again, that's not the goal. Yeah, the yeah, goal yeah. of preaching, the goal of teaching obviously is to be obedient to what the Lord has for us. But I think, I think the Lord doesn't want to just beat us up or make us feel bad. I think there needs to be conviction and challenge, mm-hmm. but also to try to bring in a sense of rhythm, like, all right, it's going to be a deep. And then how can we bring it back up to like, ah, catch our breath. Yeah. And it gives us a time to process that. Yeah. So yeah. So waterboard, not drowning, which I'm excited. <laughs> like the way that you did that, I think perfectly fits into why we do the breakdown. Like, yeah, giving the your preaching style, giving the body, uh, either on campus or online, time even within the sermon to allow uh, the spirit to move and work. Yep. Um, for them to process and understand that, and then even to have the break of we don't record the podcast on Monday. Like, there's some time for you to think, have conversations, maybe with a spouse or a yeah. friend or something like that, and then to come in, and then to have this kind of in addition to, yeah. not a replacement of, in Absolutely. addition to, um, and so. That was good. Okay, so this is kind of... You got some notesies over there. I got some notes. I went to Here town we. on Sunday. <laughs> so because uh, we like to just uh, poke the bear, it seems like, recently. Amen. Um, it just seems like the right thing to do. Okay. Uh, there, uh, if, you've, if you've read Revelation, if you've been around uh, the preaching or teaching on Laodicea, mm-hmm. you have most likely, uh, painting with a broad brush, heard maybe not a correct teaching, yeah, that's a okay uh, if, way to if put I it. can say it that way, yeah. a, a nice way to put it. Um, and so, one of the things I appreciated is is how you. Um, I appreciate that you're very clear where you would say I don't agree with that. That's mm-hmm. not me. Yeah. But you you don't make it seem like the Word of God is tell you know like hey we're always going to go back to the Bible, yeah. but you're not going to manipulate the yeah. Bible to get people to believe yeah. what you want to believe. Um, and so. For reference, if you haven't listened to the the message, just to kind of bring up to speed, uh, usually when we think of Laodicea, we think uh, we've been told hot and cold, either be hot and on fire for the Lord, or cold and basically no, yeah. you know, no relationship with the yeah. Lord. Like the Lord would be okay with that. Like yes, the Lord doesn't. Correct. If you go to the cold side of it, that the Lord doesn't want a relationship with us. Yeah, and the way that you taught and dissected um, Laodicea was how on a on a hot day how refreshing is an ice cold drink yeah and on a cold day how refreshing is a is a hot drink yeah um and then i think a little bit of where you did kind of bring it back to where some of those difference in teachings have, have kind of been brought is if you leave so i have actually wow uh, did you I, plan this i actually didn't Dude, he's got my a wife, hot and a cold drink my wife brought me uh, a cold drink and then you made coffee so yeah. i grabbed coffee yeah um and so if you're watching on video you can see this uh if not then you'll just pretend in your yeah. mind so got a, i got a coffee cup and we got a panera sip club yep icy drink so the let's go with the the cold drink yep. uh ice in it it's cold we've been we came in this morning, work on a construction project, yeah. bringing materials in. I was hot and sweaty. I hadn't had coffee yet, yeah. but what I didn't want to do, and you even talked about this, I didn't want hot coffee pouring sweat. Yeah. So I wanted something that was cold, but also had caffeine in it. Yep. Well, we had meetings before this, and my core temperature Has went drink. down. I'm sitting yep. 
having a hot coffee is nice yeah. and refreshing. And so the way that you did that on Sunday, I thought was one, so good. I appreciate that. Um, and two was incredibly challenging for me in this sense of where my mind went to was how often have I been mm. one of those drinks, yeah. but I have allowed, uh, and where you brought it, I guess I didn't finish this. Yeah, no, you're good. Um, if I let these sit out long enough, my hot drink is going to acclimate yep. to the temperature of the room as well as the cold drink. Yeah. And so if I reach for this thinking it's still ice colds and it's just kind of even cool, it's yeah. not as refreshing. Correct. Um, same thing with, with the hot drink. How many times have I been one version of that, mm -hmm. but I've allowed um, situations, yep. relationships, whatever those things may be, to influence me for the negative or for yeah. the worse, and allowed, um, uh, sorry, my mind totally just went no. blank, allowed myself not to be the refreshing, yeah. either hot or cold, but to be more tepid and yeah. more gross. Yeah, because I, for me, I think this is a call for more of a distinctiveness that is different than the world around us. And so um, real quick, so like if somebody didn't listen to the sermon, like where where are you getting that? Why is it not hot on fire for Jesus and colds completely separated and, and he hates us when we're just kind of half in, half out? Um, number one, couple things that I look at. I always look at the character of God first. And some people would have a problem with that mm. because they would say, no, you need to go to the word of God first. The word of God flows from the character mm. of mm. God. Now, yes, the word of God reveals the character of God, but there's other things that reveal the character of God as yeah. well. Creation. Romans tells us that. And so we can know things about God even by looking at creation. And not just the whole, like, uh, he created the the mountains and the valleys and stuff like that. Uh, I even have a note in my Romans or whatever here. Let me just open up to it. And so when it talks about uh, what has been, verse 19, for what can be known about God is plain to them, creation shows four self-evident truths about God. Existence, order, mm -hmm. dignity, and righteousness, mm -hmm. you know, so it's not just that he's a creator, there's, there's more to it. And so there, there is the general revelation through that. Then there's also, uh, like the moral law written on our hearts. There's things that are revealed to us in that mm -hmm. about who God is and then his word. Mm -hmm. And so when we take all of those together, like I want to look at the character of God first and then, and then the word of God, which flows from the character of God and say, is this really does this match? Because yeah. um, if the word of God flows from the character of God, which I believe it does, then the word of God will never conflict with the character yes. of God, right? And um, and it, if it were to, right, if there's any word that somebody says, oh, I have a word from the Lord, let it be a gift of prophecy, or, you know, even look at other books that people want to say is scripture, let mm -hmm. it, you know, clear to the Quran, the Book of Mormon, stuff like that. Um the issue with some of those is it conflicts with the with the character of God, mm -hmm. and so at, that's almost like a test of uh, what I believe. How do I know? What's yeah, yeah, a test of truth or whatever is does it conflict with the character of God? And so when you look at who God is, and when He says in verse fifteen, "Would that you were either cold or hot," meaning I would rather like I want you to be either hot or cold. I don't see the character of God. I don't see in the word of God where he, he would rather us be further away from him. Yeah. 
because that's what I believe growing up. That's what I was taught. That's what I believe. I had multiple people come up to me on Sunday and said, I've never heard yep. it that way. Through the lens of like the the, the fence, yep. like pick a uh, side. Yep. Like this side is green yep. and prosperous and good. This side is dead and bad. And it's you like, can't be on the fence. you can't be on the fence. You can't sit on the fence and yep. hang this part of your body in and this yep. part of your body out. Now within salvation, that's absolutely true. Yeah. You know, some people will say that talking about, you know, do you believe in Jesus? Or, well, I'm kind of on the fence about it. Well, the devil owns the fence. You're either in or you're out. They're yeah, just not. yeah, exactly. But he's talking to a church, mm. so it's not a salvation issue. I think it's uh, it's a service like serving issue. It's a fellowship issue. It's it's a sanctification issue, um, and it's almost going to the point of like this would make people question their salvation yeah, in yeah. a sense, which I believe salvation is secure uh, in Jesus, but also we can live in a way that's super confusing. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul, any of the apostles would never would have had uh, this, how close to sin can we get and still be considered? Mm, I think it's just yes. asking the wrong question. Yeah. All of scripture, pursue Christ with your life as a believer. And so, so why would Jesus look at a church and say, I would rather you be further away from me? Because of the state that you're in, I'd rather you be further away from me. Every time that Jesus, God, um, let it be Old Testament, New Testament, anytime he has seen somebody, let's go with that, on the fence, mm-hmm. has seen somebody at lukewarm, there's always been a call to a closer walk. Mm-hmm. Never a command to go away yeah. further. So take the rich young ruler. I've done all these commandments. I've kept all these things. What else do I need to do? He's on the fence. He's he's lukewarmish. There's still something else for him to do. And he says, go and sell all your possessions. And I believe that, that. Yeah, and I can't yeah. do that. And he walked away. Jesus had compassion on that. But the call was always a closer walk. It wasn't you need to leave. It yes. was I need you to do this. Yes. Now, he, Jesus, gives has the grace and... and um, yeah, it's kind of weird to call it a grace, but it's true to allow us to walk away from him. Yeah. Like he, he will honor our free will and allow us to walk away from him, you know? And so in fellowship, this is what this church in Laodicea was doing. They were so, uh, uh, distant in their fellowship from the Lord that it, it's like this, this lukewarmness, like, I want to spit you out, but it's not a, uh, I want you to be cold and distant from you or I, and I want you hot close to me. That's, that's the part that I can't synthesize with the character of God and the word of God is, and and please correct me if I'm wrong. I can't find where God is saying, I want you further away. There's always a call from God for us as the, as the church, as believers to step closer, step further, Mm -hmm. closer into deeper waters with him, never to walk away he'll honor the walking away. he'll honor that but he's he's, he's not, not command the, yes. yeah that thank you yes. okay yeah. yeah he's not commanding he's not saying get away from me he is always saying here's my hand of invitation walk closer with me and so when even when we talk about next steps those aren't just little cute things to do on a sunday um, next steps is us taking our haha next step closer in our walk with jesus which usually means dying to ourselves yes. laying something down yeah for me, it's always, you know, not that it, this is all the time, but um, next steps are not easy. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm asking the question of, is this Correct. easy? It's probably not a next step the Lord would have for me. Yeah. You yeah. know, like serving isn't always going to be easy. You know, yeah. 
my my wife loves her job here. My wife mm-hmm. loves kids. She's a kids director. But there are times she gets in the car and she'll cry the entire way home. <laughs> it was like I spent all this time prepping and getting ready. The kids were bouncing off. Thought it was crazy. You know, it's just like that's yep. not easy. Like, but that's part. You know, that's part of serving. That's part of stepping into you know that call. Yeah, and so you know you think of next steps in the let, let's take the easier one and the heavier one. And I've used both of these um, on on a Sunday before, so this isn't anything that we've never not talked about. But in Matthew 11, Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Mm -hmm. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, which that word there actually means kind and goodness together, which um, in my own personal study, what's kind of crazy is when you look at the Old Testament and you hear loving kindness, that's that same kind of or steadfast love. That's the same kind and goods uh, combined. So my yoke is easy, meaning kind and good, and my burden is light. But a yoke is meant to move you. Mm-hmm. When you yoke ox together, it's, it's to so, do work. It's to do work. So there's movement, and they're going to do it together. And so here's Jesus not saying, "Hey, don't yoke with me. Don't walk with me." Say, "No, take my yoke upon you. Walk with me." And so sometimes our next steps of faith with Jesus are going to be that. They're going to be easy. They're going to be good. They're going to be kind. This burden is going to be light, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And then you turn the page a couple, and then you get to Matthew 16, and he says, "If anybody would come after me, let him deny himself." take up his cross and follow, follow me. me. There's always the call to pursue Christ. And I've and, and again, I'm just going to stand firm by it. I've never heard Jesus say uh, away from me. Yeah. At least not to the believer. Yep. You know, away from me Satan, you know, when he's in Matthew 4 and he's being tempted and all that, but he's never looking at somebody that is in a relationship with him and saying, "I you know, you're just not up to snuff and I'd rather you just just be further away from me. Yeah. That's, that's not, you, you can't tell me that Jesus is full of grace, mercy, love, and truth and say that. Yeah. Because the truth is that God wants a close relationship with us. Like, y- you can't say Jesus wants us further away and cold from him and then read John 3.16 at the mm. same time. It just doesn't work that way. But how many times do we do that? Like, we put on, how many times have we sat down with somebody where we've heard something to the effect of I've just sent like I've yeah. crossed that line. Yeah. And it's like he's still calling you. Yep. There's still a redemptive sanctification process. And here's what's so important where even for me as a pastor, we need to be uh, I think it's like Acts 17, we need to be good Bereans that when they were hearing Paul, they searched the scriptures to make sure these things mm-hmm. were so. And I'm just, I don't know who originally said it, but somebody probably down the line was preaching Revelation 3, hot and cold, and he taught that concept. And where it sounds good, you know, the, the call is kind to of be, makes sense. Yeah. The call is to be on fire for Jesus. Like that'll preach any day of the week. Yep. The hard part is, I don't think this text is teaching that. Yeah. Because why would Jesus say, were that you were either cold or hot, meaning I want you to be one of those. Yeah. And when you understand the historical context of Laodicea, um, there was a hot spring, I want to say in Philadelphia, but that could be wrong. But they uh, built an aqueduct to bring that hot spring into Laodicea. Mm-hmm. The problem is by the time the water got there, it wasn't hot. It wasn't hot right? And so he's, 
And, and so on a nice summer day, what do you want to do? You want to jump into the pool, a nice cool pool. Like nobody loves to jump into a hot tub on a summer day. Feels great. But in a winter when it's snowy outside, being in a hot tub is pretty cool mm-hmm. because it's that distinct difference. Yeah. And that's, I think, uh, that's what I believe that scripture is saying far more here to Laodicea is I want you distinct. I want you different. You are peculiar people. You're holy. You're set apart. That fits far more with the character of God and yeah. all of scripture. And that does mean that you're on fire for the Lord. Yes. But what we've translated it to is, well, if you're not on fire for the Lord, then you're cold and I'm going to yeah. spit you out. Like, yeah. And no. so, so what does it mean to be hot and cold? Cause um, it's, it's actually not, oh, in this season of my life, I'm going to be hot. And in this season of my life, I'm going to be cold. I think it's situationally. Mm. And 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 who actually leads in that? Let's say it's a little waltzing dance, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're to be hot and cold. Well, when do we be hot and cold? Uh, in response to the world. Mm. So when the world gets hot, with, let's say, with anger and indifference and hatred and racism and all of those things, right? We... We need to fight our natural urge to follow the world's leading, mm-hmm. and we need to respond to be a cooling presence mm-hmm. with peace, with love, with grace, with mercy, with unity. So where the world wants to get itself fired up about something, and where we are going to have to fight against our natural tendencies to follow that, yep. nope, the, you know, and so let it be politics, let it be social injustice issues, we need to be a cooling presence. And at the same time, there's areas where the world is cold in its sense of love to one another, there is none, yep. um, and there's indifference, and there's a lack of care and concern, that's where we need to be the, that fiery warmth of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that we need to be situationally. So we are always looking to the Lord, full of the Holy Spirit, allowing him to lead and guide us through his word. And then how do we react to the world? It's not to be like the world. There's never been a call to, to match the world, you know, one for one. Mm-hmm. So when the world's fired up, we need to be fired up. When the world's cold, we need to be cold. No, no, no. We need to be the opposite. That's what makes us distinct from the world around us. That's how we're peculiar people. When the world is ticked off angry, how are the Christians so at peace? Because mm. that speaks far more yep. when the world is losing its ever-loving yep. mind to find that person or group of people. How bad do you want to poke the bear? Oh, let's go. Wait, am I poking or are you poking? I'm going to poke the bear. If you're poking, let's go. This will be hard for people to hear. And I'm just going to call it. Okay. You know where the church has failed the most in the last few years? We have allowed politics. Mm. We have allowed COVID. Mm-hmm. We have allowed any of that where the world is getting fired up about it, mm-hmm. where there's uh, parades for uh, gender and sexual issues. And there's a, there's a firing passion da, 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 and we feel like as the church, we need to stand firm and match that eye to eye where, because, uh, of our political party, mm-hmm. which is, um, inappropriate to say, mm-hmm. you know, cause the church doesn't have a political party say it right like that. Right. Um, but for so many times we, it, the world around us wants to paint us that way. But when our political party doesn't win or this doesn't happen or can you see what the world's doing we get angry in response Mm. to their anger and it's like we look just like the world yeah we don't even it's not even an attack of satan we're taking the same arrows that satan is using in the world and we're just jabbing ourselves with them 
And so in response, so a cool way I've seen this done, I read the story before where, uh, the, uh, a white supremacist group mm-hmm. was uh, protesting something, and and they just kept screaming "white power, white power, white power!" Right? And there was a group of Christians that's like, "We want to respond, but how can we do it in a way that so different? That's how unique and yeah, yeah. how Jesus would do it." Um, and so they 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 dressed up as clowns, and every time the white supremacist group screamed "white power," they took flower and screamed white flower and just threw flower into the air. And so instead of screaming back at them, they had a party and it was fun and it was joyous. And it was, it was, they, they weren't afraid to be made fun of. And, and it probably uh, embroiled, emboldened. uh, emboldened. Well, it just made them more angry, I'm sure. But if you were uh, a neutral party or somebody just passing by and you were looking at two groups one group screaming hate and the other one over there laughing and just making a mess and, and okay, making fun of themselves in a sense, like, you know, not trying to take, like, what group would you want to stand with? Mm. Like, give me a bag of flour any day of the week. And so that's where I think they were a cooling presence instead of having their own picket signs and screaming back at them. How can, you know, how can we respond in a different way because it seems so right when and because we've said on the podcast you said it from the platform like we need to stand firm yeah um when we don't allow scripture when we don't allow the spirit to lead in that conversation then what happens is we hear that we become riled up like oh i'm gonna go take it to them i need to stand firm and show them who Jesus is and what Jesus would stand for. And we take one attribute, Mm -hmm. one very specific story in scripture, whatever it may be. And we go toe to toe and match the other party. But what happens is we don't ever match because as Mm -hmm. they get more emboldened and more angry, then so do we. And then suddenly we've lost our purpose. And and I know somebody's probably listening to this and they're thinking, well, Jesus got angry. Amen. He did. Jesus flipped tables. Yeah. He flipped tables. So let's talk about that. Number one, Jesus got angry, but he was without sin. Show me how you can carry out your anger without sin. You know, so take the, I could. take the plank out of your own eye before, well, Jesus got angry. That that justifies my anger. No, it doesn't because your anger is sinful. Number two, who was the uh, the object of, of Jesus's anger? The religious The leaders. world, the Rome around them, the government <laughs> that was oppressing. And No, no, no. Who was Jesus angry at? The Pharisees, the religious elite that were oppressing the poor people. Uh, the oppressed, the cast aside, those that weren't welcome, mm-hmm. the very people that the the religious elite should have been reaching to, but they said, no, you're not one of us, and so you stay out. Yeah. That's who Jesus came for. So who do you think Jesus would be angry with today? The same group of people. The same group of Christians that want to scream and shout at the world around them because they're not operating under the same value system as the church. And it never will. You're literally screaming at a brick wall when you're supposed to be sharing the gospel, you know, and, and again, I think churches are, are missing the mark a little bit. Oh, we need to share the truth. You need to share the truth and love. You need to share grace as well. You know, yeah. and, and I'm one of these pastors that I would rather lead in grace 
because I will have so many more opportunities to share truth. But if I lead in truth and it's cold and it's, and it's unrelational, I will have very few opportunities to share grace. And when I look at Jesus, who did he share truth with first and who did he share grace with first? He was, he was angry and shared truth with the religious elite that were, um, who were fakers, who were uh, actors. They were the hypocrites who were uh, saying that they were close with God, but they were actually, I mean, to to take it so far that Jesus said that the sinners and the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going to enter the kingdom of heaven before you. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to hear that from Jesus. I don't want him to look at me and say, Hey, you're, you're going toe to toe with the anger and the heat of the world. They're actually probably going to end up in the kingdom before what? You know, the ones that you should have been reaching are going to are going to enter in before you because you're so worried about that battle. That's not the fight I've asked you to fight. That's not the battle of the church. Not The church has never been called to fight against the government. We've, we've been called to pray against the government. We've never been called to fight against the world systems. Yeah. We've been called to deliver people out of that. Like we have the ministry of reconciliation. Mm-hmm not the ministry of conforming people to us. We have the ministry of reconciliation. And I think we're losing sight of that. Yeah. And so, yeah, there always are going to be people that want the, the spectrums like that, but that's not effective ministry. Yeah. And so if you, if you want to keep fighting at the government and the world systems, go right ahead. The problem that you might have is you're going to fight a battle that you were never called to do. And definitely to do it in the name of Jesus is going to make it so much harder for those of us that are allowing scripture to lead and guide yeah. and, and really ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? He would love first. And I can't find a place in scripture where Jesus wants us to fight against the world, fight against the government, fight against He He wants us to lead in grace, mercy, love, and truth. And that is leading in the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so, so for me, so there's that hot, and then there's the cold side of it where the world, I mean, and that's actually the, when we think about how we're supposed to be in the world, we always go to that, oh, the world's cold and love and it's care and concern and the church needs to be that warming presence. And it's like, but how many times are we really that? (laughs) How many times do we show the same cold shoulder to the homeless and the widow and the orphan and the oppressed and the... Yeah, we just match the world. Yeah, because if we're so busy being on, on on this fiery fight with who we're not supposed to fight, then we're missing the real opportunities of ministry. Mm. Like Proverbs speaks repeatedly about don't argue with a fool. Don't cast your pearls before swine. So if we're not supposed to cast our pearls before swine, who are we supposed to cast our pearls the one that would find a treasure and sell everything that he owns and buys that field because he found something that is greater than anything in this world. That's who we're supposed to cast our pearls before. But, you know, here we are as the church, throwing them at the pigs, thinking that we're going to change a pig by throwing a pearl at them. And it's like, no, be, be the warmth of Christ to the broken world. You know, like when you think of the woman at the well, It was a warming presence. I mean, even just to ask, I mean, when's the last time do you think a Jewish man walked up to her in the heat of the day, being a Samaritan woman of definitely a shady, not just a past, a shady current reality. Yeah. 
That was probably very well known. Yeah. you. That's why she went to the uh, the well in the middle of the day because nobody else was there. Like she didn't want the ridicule and the judgment and stuff like that. I would rather go to the well by myself. I would rather choose isolation because I, I can't find community. Mm. That's not the mm. church. That's not the church. How many people would rather choose isolation because they can't find community in those of us who are saying we're trying to be the hands and the feet of Jesus? So she goes to the well. But just to hear her, to have her hear the words, hey, could I have a drink? I mean, she was so astounded by that that she didn't even really answer the question. She was like, who are you as a Jewish man to even speak to me? as a Like, like there's so many lines that you are crossing right now, and it's like— Even to see her. Yeah. Like, take it a step back. Oh. Like, we see in the story yeah. that Jesus addresses her, yep. but even to see her mm-hmm. and value her as a person without yeah. even saying a word yeah. and not just pretend she doesn't exist. Yeah. And what about the woman caught in the midst of adultery mm. and thrown at her feet? Mm. What about the two blind men that are screaming out, Hosanna, David, you know, heal us? Like, yep. and, and what did the apostles, you know, the disciples do? Shut up, he's walking by. How many times do we do that? No, no, no. Jesus is too important for you. You, He doesn't have time for you. And what's Jesus say? Shut up. I want to go talk to these guys. Like that is the warmth that we, he is stepping into the hurt, the lost, the broken, the sinner, the tax collector, like the uncomfortable, the uncomfortable walking by, Hey, Zacchaeus, get down out of the tree. What are you doing? I'm, you don't need to climb a tree to see me. I'm coming to your house for dinner. Mm. And, and even for Matthew to hold a, a party, everybody's astounded. Why would Jesus go hang out with a bunch of sinners, you know? Like, okay, what if, okay, so you're a, you do a ministry called So Loved, mm-hmm. and you reach out to uh, strip clubs, mm-hmm. uh, exotic clubs, whatever mm-hmm. they want to call them. I don't know what the political trick correct Dance term. clubs. Dance clubs? Yeah. Okay, there we go. So no offense there. And, and you, 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 uh, the girls, uh, the ladies of your group go into the clubs to speak with the ladies there that work in the club, right? Yep. So what if, uh, what if you, we didn't have the close relationship, but you knew like, oh yeah, that's the pastor of Calvary, which we were at one point mm-hmm. when you were still a student pastor at another yeah. church, you know, it's like, oh yeah, that's Nick. He's, he's the pastor of Calvary. And so, uh, what if you and, and your wife were at a restaurant and I was sitting there, uh, and I have, there were four or five ladies and I'm having dinner with them. And your wife looks over and says, I know, I know who, I know who those are. Yep. Those are, those, those are, are ladies. Yeah, th- yeah. Those are dancers from the club. Like what? And, and you would say, that's that's the pastor of Calvary. What, what is he having dinner with? Yeah, I wouldn't probably think too many good things. I don't think anybody would. You know, now I'll I'll take a standing invite to dinner anywhere. Like yeah. I just love food. Uh, and if it was a situation like that, like most likely going to bring my wife. I'm I'm about a hundred and ten percent sure I'm, I'm going to bring my like, wife. You know. <laughs> Like I want to be, I want to be above reproach and, and it's going to be in a public space, yep. you know, very would, public. Yeah. I mean, he, he went to Matthew's party, meaning there was a lot of people there that it wasn't just like, you know, one Hey, one. come over to our house. Yeah. And, no, no, that yeah. ain't happening. But we say things like that and it's like, okay, that's what Jesus did. Like when you try to put it in the proper context of today, that's what Jesus did. I don't know if I'm okay with if a Christian did that or if my pastor would do that. I, I would struggle with that. Yep. And there would be a 
a part in me that I would have to like really process and like, okay, here we go. Yeah. You know, but is that not what Jesus did time and time again, where people dealing with different uh, diseases, illnesses, social uh disparities, like all of that. All the taboo things. All the taboo things he stepped into. So then take all the taboo things that we have today and step into those. It's like, you want to live like Jesus? Step into the uncomfortable mm. and the taboo. What the world, again, will hate us for. Yep. And, and or make a, judgments or oh, assumptions yeah. or, yeah. Yeah, in the world will. But who's, who's going who's gonna to do that more? Who, who's more attacking that Jesus was hanging with sinners and mm. tax collectors? Rome could care less. Yeah. It was the religious elite. And thought their version of the gospel was correct. Yep. And so here we are called to be hot and cold. And so, and the hard part is this, um, make sure you know who you are in Christ mm -hmm. because, um, where we are called to be thermostats, where we set the temperature, we should be changing the culture around us instead of being thermometers where we just gauge the temperature. Yep. You know, it, that is difficult. And there are certain boundaries that we need to put on our life because, again, nobody can do what Jesus did fully. You are not the Lord. Yeah, I am not the Lord. And so I know there's probably certain boundaries where it's like, hey, Jesus could do that. I, I know my weaknesses, and, and, and I don't think the Lord would ever want me to lose my testimony for the sake of reaching, that's in uh, uh, air quotes, someone who's, who's lost, broken, and sinful. Like there's just some things it's like, Hey, I, I can't go to your house, but if you want to go to, you know, wherever in public and get a cup of coffee there's and talk. There's a reason community accountability yes. still matters. Yes, exactly. And so, but we need to be that hot and cold presence and it's really allowing it, it's in response to the world around us because if mm -hmm. the world is fired up and hot, like, if we didn't know that, we can't just go walk around being, oh, I'm going to be on fire for the Lord and be this angry presence. And da, da, da. it's like, no, 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 you're just a jerk. That's yeah. what that's called. Yeah. And there's nothing more uh, of an oxymoron than a jerk Christian. Yep. <laughs> but but when the world is fired up, it's like, oh, I need to be a cooling presence here. And when the world's cold, it's like, how can I bring the warmth of Christ here? That, and so the issue that Laodicea was having, the same as that water that they were pumping in, is when we sit, I'm, I'm grabbing your Do icy it. cup here. When we sit idle, because that's one of the things that we talked about, it's like it's it's only going to go to uh, acclimate to room temperature when nothing's being added to it. So when we just sit idle and we're doing nothing to keep our warmth and keep our cooling presence, that's like you're you're literally just allowing the world to change and conform you where you were supposed to be changed and transformed mm. by me mm. but you're allowing the world to bring a counterfeit I don't want to use the word transformation uh, conforming to yeah. you so that you're fitting more into the world's mold that's what I want to spit out yeah I don't want to accept the world and its ways and its value system the world hates me it persecuted me. Of course it's going to do that to you, mm -hmm. but it's going to persecute what's distinct. The, the world doesn't persecute what is the same. ISIS doesn't attack other ISIS. Mm. L darkness doesn't attack other darkness. There's so many other world religions that are closer to uh, Islam and locationally. 
but they're coming after us. But they're coming after us. Yeah. Darkness doesn't go after other darkness. Darkness comes after light. But that's so we we need that strength. And so where does that come from? Well, that obviously comes from having a vibrant, zealous relationship with the Lord. And that's what he says even down in verse 19. So uh, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous, which the original word there has the same as, so be hot, like be that distinct, be zealous, repent, like get yourself distant from the world. Mm-hmm. Not locationally, because that's what the monks, you know, and, and there's like a new monastic kind of movement. It's like, you you can't run away from the cold and the heat of the world. No, no, no. I want you to be smack dab in the middle of it, but I want you to be distinct from it. I want people to question you. Like, so when the world sees, is all fired up and they see us as a cooling presence, I want them to question that. I want the religious elites who think they're all that in a bag of chips, but they're missing the call of the gospel yeah. to look at you. And I, that's who's going to attack you. That there, there, there is going to be a sense because there is a, an apostasy that is coming. There is going to be a falling away of churches that, no, they, they're going to hold to their rigid religion and they're n- not going to allow the spirit to flow. Yeah. I was having this conversation with, so the senior pastor that I took over for here at Calvary, mm-hmm. if you didn't know, is a guy named Cliff. Cliff. Still attends our church. Love Cliff. Him and him and his wife were here Sunday after church. Not only uh, attends, just serves faithfully. Serves faithfully, and and nobody, if you didn't know who he was, you wouldn't know who he was. Oh, I've had conversations with people that have attended Calvary post him leaving mm-hmm. and you coming on that are like, I'd be like, that used to be because we were talking about like, yeah. hey, like Nick's kind of new here. Yeah. That's the old pastor right there as he walked through the. Yeah. I see him every week. Yep. He used. Yep. He used to be. He serves in. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So, um, talking with him and, and, you know, he, Calvary Chapel, great testimony. And we were talking about this, the whole Calvary Chapel movement. And I said, you know, when you, in, in the sixties and seventies, when you were looking around, you know, those hippies who were about sex, drugs, and rock and roll and, Mm -hmm. and, and living free and all of that, just surfing and whatever down on the beach, you know, there, that was a group of people that, the majority of society had written off and they wanted nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't just that Chuck Smith went down there and started preaching the gospel, but when people experienced uh, the goodness of the Lord and, and just the indwelling presence of the spirit, it was, it was hippie going to hippie saying, you need to come yeah. check this out. It wasn't just Chuck. It was, it, you know, and some of these guys, they would get saved and a week or two later, they're leading the Bible study. Mm-hmm. You would never do that in a real church. You know, we hold everybody to the pastoral level, level. doesn't need a new convert and all this. And I think we raise the bar too high, but that's another conversation. Um, who's that group of people now? Who is a, who is a, oh, I, I, who is an isolated, segmented, identified separate group away from the whole of um, the culture that and we would say, just like they said of the hippies, what in the world, what are they doing? And, and who did God do a work in? Let it be in the new Testament. Mm -hmm. Who did God do a work in with the Jesus movement, which even us as Calvary chapel, you go to any Calvary chapel, you bring up the Jesus movement. It's like, we need another Jesus revolution and we want that. And it's like, hold your tongue. Because if I told you what that was, but because if, if I told you who the hippies are of this day that are going to come in, I guarantee, run. yeah, I guarantee you wouldn't do a Chuck Smith where you're going to wash their feet so they can come into the church. 
which if you've seen the movie, that is a true scene. Like uh, Greg Laurie was saying that hippies are barefoot and people in the church were so worried about the carpet being stained up. So he, he sat at the entrance of the church and he washed their feet to come into the church. Every hippie. There's some pastors, they don't even want to shake hands with the people coming into their church. Or if they do, they're going to glad hand the high rollers and kiss babies, you know? And so it's like, if I guarantee the church broad brush would not be ready for the people that God would want to do a work in. Oh, and, it, and is that why? And is that why God won't bring in a revival and awakening? Because we don't want Jesus who you want to do a work in. Yeah, we want revival. Just not with those people. But not with those people. And 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 when you look at, you know, and in that day, you know, uh, Greg Laurie would tell you, you can't talk about the, the Jesus movement, the Jesus revival, without mentioning Alani Frisbee. Mm-hmm. Who some people would have loved to to write him out of the Calvary Chapel movement because of his story. Of his story. And it's like, so it's not only, Lord, we don't want you to, we, we don't want those people we don't even want you to use people like that to reach them. Mm. And who do we come? Who does that sound like in the Bible? Jonah. Lord, I ran from you because I didn't want you to mm. forgive the Assyrians. I didn't want you to bring a revival to Nineveh. And even when he went, his message was, let's just call it pathetic. It was five words and he didn't even mention God. He just said, yeah, and a, whatever days destruction's coming. That's all his message was. Sounds like a great message. And so so sometimes we're like, oh yeah, Jesus loves you. And that's all we want to say. We want to say the bare minimum to per se get, you know, credit for being yeah. obedient. It's like, no, no, no. I, I, I didn't call you just to say a few words. I called you to go and reach them. Mm. I want you hot. I want you cold. But it's going to be in response and in a distinctiveness away from the world. Yeah. And and if we are that. If we would truly, as a church, I'm just going to talk to my own people here at Calvary Chapel, Lake of the Ozark. So if you're listening from another church, uh, welcome. We'd love to have you. Go back to your church. Go back to your church and challenge your pastor. (laughs) Um, For us, we need to look internally and say, am I ready for that move of God? Am I ready to Mm -hmm. truly be hot where the world is cold? Am I ready to be a cooling presence where the world is hot? Am Am I okay with reaching people that I might not want to see? walk into the church. So one of the things that I wrote that you kind of, you mm-hmm. talked about on Sunday, and this this was the hard part for me. Um, th- this might be when I question my salvation, <laughs> stepping into ministry, <laughs> like whether it should yeah. be a crit, like um, if we truly believe what the Bible says, and I underline truly, if we mm-hmm. truly do, mm-hmm. would we allow it to transform our lives? Yeah. Because there is there is an active participate there there's no passivity to that yeah we have to step into that um because we're all sinners which means there's going to be a shift and a change that has to happen yeah for us to look less like a sinful human and look more like the lord we yeah. have to continually die to ourselves more mm-hmm. and more and so as you were talking on sunday and even the whole podcast thus far has been through that lens and that light of how many times have we heard and said over over the years, even over generations, oh, I'm ready for the Lord to do a revival? And it's like, but are you really? Yeah. Are you willing to step in the awkward, uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. Because it starts with you. And yeah. not you, Nick Pierce. It starts with me. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to start a revolution if I'm looking ex- 
exteriorly. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if that's yeah. a word. If I'm looking outside at others and what externally, thank there you, you at what other people need to do, because yeah. it starts with me. Like, yeah. Lord, what do you need to do in my heart? Lord, what do you need to surgically and strategically remove? Mm -hmm. And then allow the Lord to replace it with something from him, not yeah. me replace it with another sinful thing. Yeah. You know, like, take it out. Yeah. My, my prayer for us as a church so for every individual that calls Calvary Chapel, like the Ozarks, their home, is my prayer is that the Lord, through his spirit and through his word, would do a work in our hearts that we would finally not, oh, we would not be okay being okay with it. Mm. So, the, so go back to the Calvary Chapel movement. The hippie movement was known. And even at a point... Chucked it and like, I'm not going down to those dirty hippies. They need a bath, you know? And, and so again, the, the movie pretty, pretty close ish yeah. to, you know, it, it wasn't like it was his wife that said, no, you need to go down there. You need to preach the gospel. They, they need, they need Jesus. And so there was a, there was a little bit of hesitancy. Um, and, and at some point he had to come to the realization, I'm not okay being okay with it. Yeah. And then, so at the other, the first place I ever heard that phrasing um, was the story when we went to Honduras on our first mission trip. Mm -hmm. And there was a pastor there that, um, he, he was a pastor in Honduras. He was a Honduran, wasn't a missionary, nothing like that. And he was working at another uh, ministry. And when there was trash, you just drove up to the city dump and you just dumped whatever off and then you left. That's mm -hmm. this kind of what you did. And he's done that multiple times. And so one day his like five, six year old daughter said, can I go with you? And like the dump is not like, yeah, the, the MS 13 gang controls it. It's very, it, it's just rough. Right. And so, yeah, you can go with me, but you're staying in the truck. And so they go, they dump off the stuff and they're leaving quick. And, and it's his five or six year old daughter and said, daddy, why don't you do anything for these people? Mm. He never saw them as people. And so he's trying to shake it and he goes back and he's talking to his ministry leader, the guy that's over the whole organization that he's serving. And he wanted to hear that guy tell him like, yeah, that the kids being kids. He goes, I think the Lord's trying to speak to you through your five or six year old daughter. And he had to come to the point where he just was not okay being okay with it. Yeah. He was not okay knowing that 200, 300 families were living in the city dump with nothing and no one and no hope to get out. Yeah. And, and the best way to get people out is literally to get the kids into education. Because if you can get them an education, then they could get a decent job where it's not, they're not living the high life, but they don't have to work and live in the city dump. Yeah. And so and that was a hard thing for some of the kids is they think they're going to go get a good job and get their parents out of the dump. And it's like, you're going to be able to get out of the dump. But you're not going to be able to get your parents out. Yeah. But, but the thing that you'll be able to have is to say, but my kids won't have to go to the city dump and you're breaking the chain there. But at some point that pastor had to come to that, that level of brokenness and he actually saw people. And I want to say for the first time, like Jesus would see people and say, they're like sheep without a shepherd. Mm -hmm. Chuck Smith had to see these young people living for sex, drugs and rock and roll, searching for something and say, these are sheep without a shepherd. But, who really wants to be the shepherd of those kind of sheep? Mm. 
And we have to come to a point where we look at the world around us and we see who is hurting, who is yearning for something more of the world and care less what the, the world system says, care less what the religious elite says, looking at the word, looking to Christ and saying, who am I finally not okay being okay with mm-hmm. being a sheep without a shepherd? Mm. That's where true revival is going to start. Not, um, yes, in the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on a people, but true revival starts. And, and a couple people that are saying, I'm fed up. I'm not, I'm not okay with it anymore. Yeah. And that's, that's the awakening there, not in people for salvation, which is true, yeah. but it's an awakening in the believer hmm. to see, to see anyone, let it be a mass of people, let it be the neighbor across the street to see them with the eyes of Christ. Yeah. And that's, again, going back to Laodicea, that's one of the issues that they didn't have that eyes to see. And it's like, you say that you are rich, you've prospered, you need nothing, but you don't even realize that you're wretched, mm. you're pitiable, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked. Yeah. Like you, you need to come to that brokenness as a follower of Jesus that you need to question, am I truly living what he has called me to, or am I holding fast to my religious rigidity Mm, or am I allowing the spirit to work and move in my life? Where have I become blind? And now I see. So we love amazing grace when we're talking about salvation. Mm. Once was blind to Jesus and now I can see there's still a blindness in the church. Yeah. And we need, we need whatever ointment that he's talking about that we can buy from him, this salve to anoint our eyes so that we may see. And I firmly believe it's for people. We need to have an eyes to see people who are separated, who are lost, that are hurting, that are oppressed, whatever it would be. Have eyes to see them with that same heart of Jesus. They are sheep without a shepherd. There's no one to care for them. There's no one to listen to them. There's no one to say, hey, I'm going to come alongside you. Dang, that's good. Because <laughs> that's funny. You Not funny. It's cool to see the Lord doing something because the last thing I wrote in my notes and where I wanted to end the podcast was if we say that we love Jesus, what, what we're actually saying is we know and we want correcting. Yeah. If we say we love Jesus, we know we need mm-hmm. and want the correcting that he has yeah. to offer. Yep. Not, not to, not to beat the bride, yep. but to say, Hey, that, that's not, that's not of me. That's not mine. That's, yep. that's of the world. You look like the world. You smell like the world. You taste like the world. Yeah. The world has no idea that they're missing out on something. Yep. The believer does. Yeah. Cause we, like, let's just take the fiery part of it. Right. So let's say we, as the church are, are responding in like manner to the world when the world's fiery and angry here, we are fiery and angry. Mm-hmm. Like the, so think of that in an evangelistic sense. Right. So you have, like you, you have this, you know, uh, 38th parallel line in a sense, and you have two, two armies, call it what it is, two army armies fighting. Yeah. Yeah. You got the world's system and the government, whatever angered, fired up about whatever. And now us Christians were fired up too. If that's our response to them, all we're really asking, Hey, you're already fired up, angry, hot, mad. Just, just come on our team and be the same. Join our side. Yeah. And it's like, again, uh, there's, there's no hope in that. Mm-hmm. 
No, it, it's it's when it's when people uh, apart from the Lord, separated from the Lord, and they see something different. Yeah. And I think that's where we need to be as a as a church as a whole. Is we are offering something different, mm-hmm. not something of the same, just on the other side of the fence. And in the same way, on the you know, so when the world is cold in love, we don't need to be cold in love. We need to offer something different. That's that's what makes. Uh, the call of Christ so grand and, and the and the message of the gospel because like just to go from one darkness to the other side of darkness, just to go from one side of uh, coldness to the other side of coldness. No, no, no. Ask anybody that's outside when it's cold, where do they want to go? I want to go inside where it's warm. Yeah. Or if it's hot outside, where do you want to go? I want to go inside where it's cool. Yeah. I don't want to just go, you know, to another cold house. I want to go to a warm house. Yeah. That's what we're missing. And so when we try to evangelize through the like manner, it's really not evangelism. Mm-hmm. Why do I want more of what you have? You have the same thing. All, the only difference is you, you have this moralistic, therapeutic deism. You know, you, you, it's behavior modification. You feel good if you do the right things and, oh, yeah, God exists. It's like that's not the gospel. Yeah. And so that's the, the challenge of us and not just, oh, I need to be different than the world. It's like, no, we need to offer the world something different, but we have to be, is that working in our heart? Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes you got to turn their news off. Sometimes you have to turn certain things off that are causing us those natural reactions yeah. in us to be like the world. And so ending on a, on a great quote, this is not mine. I was listening to a uh, pastor, you know him. He has beautiful dreadlocks. Mm. So this is PD. PD. Uh, so this is Daniel Fusco out at Crossroads. And so like, shout out to him. What a wonderful guy. And he was preaching. And he said, and I love this definition of discipleship. It's transforming your natural reactions to biblical responses. Mm-hmm. And whatever your natural response is, uh, your natural reaction is, your biblical response will be something distinct and different yep. from it. And, and so when it's fiery of the world, yeah, your biblical response is going to be different. It's going to be a cooling presence. Or when the world is cold, your biblical response is going to be a warming presence. Um, and we're going to end the podcast with building an ark because <laughs> I think it is raining hard. <laughs> they can <laughs> probably hear that. I'm uh, sure that's picking it up. So. Dang. so, yeah, that's my so I, that's been uh, eating my lunch here lately. Just l- looking at that and where am I? Because when I'm responding, when I'm reacting in my natural tendencies, yeah. I'm not, I'm not being spirit filled and I'm not being spirit led. Mm. And so, and so, yes, the world's going to throw situations at us to cause us to react. It's not an absence of those instead of acting in my natural reactions, instead taking a moment, calming myself, looking to the Lord and saying, how would you have Mm. me respond in this? Because it needs a reaction or a response. And I'm quick to do my natural reaction, but that is not yeah. that is not a move of the Spirit. But if I allow Christ to move and work in and through me, through His Spirit, through His Word, that's a biblical response. And I'm pretty sure our biblical response is never going to match our natural reaction. Mm. Amen. So there it is. Welcome to the breakdown. It's a great place to end. We're going to end today there. Next week, we die. It's starting to get crazy now. Yeah, it is. We're Here we done go. with the churches. Now we're getting prophetic. We're, we're looking forward. We're uh, we're doing four this week, this coming week. Yep. 
Four, five. Four, five, and then six, six is about to, not about. Six is going to go six, ballistic. Six, we get into the seals, and then the trumpets, and then the bowls, and then. So six is six is the place where everyone is kind of going to be on the same oh, page because everybody yeah. knows this portion yeah. of, yeah. of Revelation. Yeah, honestly, it's Revelation 6 that everybody knows about. And, and again, just like we've had many times, this is how it's always been kind of taught, and this is the da-da-da. This is more, this is a, I don't want to say more accurate, like I'm the the keeper of God's truth of revelation, but we have to lay down where other pastors have um, interpreted this and and we got to lay those down and say, okay, what does the word say? If I look at this word through the context of all the word and I look at it through the context of God's character, what is this? And it's just it, and so in a sense, uh, the rest of the book, for at least a major portion, is going to be in that seven-year period. Yeah. And so, uh, instead of doing flyovers like we've done before, you know, Sunday here and there that I've had the TV up and sh- kind of showing end times events or whatever, we're we're gonna we're gonna fly in low, and we're and and really be able to low and slow and really see, detailed. yeah, exactly. So I'm excited. So it is. Well, we're done for today. We'll catch you guys next week. I think we're, what is this? This is this is episode no 11. So we'll catch you guys next week for episode 12. Hopefully no construction. Hopefully no construction. <laughs> Won't make any promises. Yeah, there we go. Hopefully not, but we'll see you guys next week. Bye.